Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Okay, so you know, Ryan, that I use Facebook for business and I use it for pleasure. Um, I've been very conscious to keep the two separate. So I've got different accounts for my personal Facebook and my my, um, business Facebook. Um, But it's always surprised me how I suddenly get um, suggestions and recommendations of friends that are from my business life and not from my personal life or my personal site uh, or my personal Facebook. Um, and one of the things I was surprised at that I've I, I looked into as um, as they went through this this latest Facebook scandal is that uh, and I wasn't aware of this um, that Messenger Facebook Messenger collects all of the contacts that you've got on your phone. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, and it uploads them. Um, and in in reading up on all this stuff. It appears that you may delete things from Facebook or you think that you've deleted them, but Facebook doesn't actually delete it. Facebook yeah. never forgets. <laughs> Facebook no, and Big Brother never forget. Yeah. yeah. So in this episode, what we wanted to do was to just to look at um, the Facebook scandal and um, to just look at, um, because uh, Ryan and I think that there's some good learning in here for people. Yep. Um, now, I think the first thing that must be said is that Facebook have done nothing illegal, um, the, uh, and, and therefore it's it's not to do with that. I, I think what the conversation that that, that um, uh, we want to sort of look at is the method that they're using for collecting information, uh, and I think that's the big surprise for people is although they've been doing it for clearly a number of years. It's the it's the breadth of information that they're collecting, um, and the amount you know the breadth and depth of information that they're collecting, uh, and then how they are managing to use that for targeting, which has been um, uh, the thing that I think has surprised people. What, what's your view, Brian? Yeah, it it is an interesting scandal from that standpoint, isn't it? Because it's not illegal. Um, They haven't broken laws, as far as we know, at the time of this recording. Um, Who knows, by the time it gets posted, Zuckerberg might already be in in jail. This is a fast-moving story. Uh, At the time we're talking, uh, as far as we know, they haven't broken any stories. And yet it's, it's rather a large scandal. It's also interesting because most people probably already knew on some level that they were doing this. I think people have just been surprised at the scale and the scope and how far it's reached. I mean, people always are, are, you know, talking about how creepy it is that they, they get ads based on searches that they've done or work they've done on other sites. Or I remember for a class I was teaching a, um, uh, about AB testing. And so I was, I was looking up newspaper articles on companies that do EB or AB, excuse me, AB testing, AB experimentation. And I, I came across a newspaper article that said that um, there was a lingerie company called Adore Me, and they do a lot of A-B testing on their website and, and in yeah. their emails and so on. Uh, it was an interesting case study, and so I um, uh, used that in my lectures, and I, I pulled up uh, the logo. I searched for the logo of this company um, to put in my slides. And um, 
for the next like eight months, I was getting lingerie ads in my Facebook feed. Yeah. If, if you were looking and at how many people are going to believe that as an excuse? Eh? Yeah, exactly. You would think I was leading a much more interesting life than I actually am. Um, yeah. So people people have known about this and they've been kind of creeped out about it, but it, just the scale of it has been really shocking to people. Yeah, and and I think if you look at it from um, if you look at it from a business perspective for a moment, the the problem that businesses have got is that effectively. And this is a bit of a leap. And, and, and the way I'm actually seeing this is this is sort of a glimpse into the future. But effectively, uh, mass communications is dead. Um, you know, if you think back to the old days of when people used to sit down and watch television and, you know, nine o'clock, it's I Love Lucy or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody used to, you know, watch the adverts. You know, I guess the only time that now happens is Super Bowl probably. Um, but you know, the, the days, you know, you go forward 20 years, it's just, people just jump across channels now and you go forward 20 years. It's not, you know, this isn't mass communications. Just one message to, you know, 50 million people is just not working. Uh, and certainly won't work in 20 years time. Um, yeah. and, a, a friend and, and, and I were talking just today about, um, a, a TV show that's on network television and, both of us kind of had this realization about do people still watch TV on, I mean, is yeah. that, you know, I, I, we keep waiting for these shows that are good to move over to a streaming platform. Um, and just, it's almost like the broadcast networks are becoming the, the minor league for television programs that'll get. No, absolutely. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. You know, the issue becomes, how do you get your message out there? So yep. if you now, and, and you've now got the other issue becomes that you've got so many segments of the market. Yep. And I know we're going to be talking about a podcast uh, on segmentation, but there's so many segments that effectively, ideally, what you want is you want to be able to deliver a certain message to a certain segment of people um, who look like X, um, and you know, and 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 that's where um, uh, artificial intelligence starts kicking in because you can start to do this. And when I talk about this being like the future stuff, um, you know, it's happening now. And, and I think that, you know, Facebook's like driving a lot of that stuff because of the, yeah. the data that they can now collect on you. But I think it's the, I think it's actually more than that. And I think it, where it ties into this podcast is that the key issue is not just the data. So what we are now seeing is a lot of the data points being collected in one area and that area is being enabled by the, you know, your phone effectively. Yeah. Um, because yep. people used to collect data by going, oh, we'll buy it from that source and we'll buy it from that source and buy it from that source. And then now we put it together, but it's all being collected in just one, one area. But uh, where it ties into this podcast is then looking at that from a behavioral perspective perspective which i is the bit i find fascinating being able to and again people who would have heard us talk about this many times in the past you know n not just listen to what people say that they want but what they're doing and then uh, 
applying some of the psychological principles to to that, I think, is extremely powerful, uh, and the way that it will end up going. Um, what, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, clearly, that's the direction it's headed. Um, I think that at the moment, I side with um, some of these naysayers who who point out that um, you know, particularly where uh, the the part of the Facebook scandal intersects with Cambridge Analytica and with politics. Um, I, I think that the micro-targeting now is maybe more hype than reality, uh, but that's a short-term prediction. I mean, I think with computer power uh, growing, computing power growing, and, and um, kind of increased sophistication and more data being collected, at some point, micro-targeting will be the way things are done and it will be successful. But, you know, I look to my example of the lingerie ads. Right now, if, if people yeah. who go through and look at all the information that, that Facebook has on them or that, you know, Google has on them and there are various ways of getting at that information, a lot of people are really surprised at uh, who Facebook thinks that they are um, as opposed to who they actually are and, and what they know. So uh, clearly behavioral targeting um, is better than demographic targeting. Yeah. Uh, Micro-targeting will at some point be better than behavioral targeting. Uh, I don't know that we're there yet in no. practicality. I, I apologize if I used this quote before, but I think it's great. Dan Ariely posted on um, on uh, Twitter some time ago, the author of Predictably Rational. He said that um, uh, big data is like sex when you're a teenager. Everybody's talking about it, but nobody actually knows what they're doing. Um, <laughs> and nobody's actually doing it. Uh, so uh, people are very excited about big data. We we want all this information. We're going to use it to make decisions. But, you know, it's the data itself is still rather clunky a lot of times. Um, we don't want to over rely on it. And then a lot of firms are just not actually using it the way that they, they think they are or the way that they claim that they are. No. I mean, I certainly believe that, you know, the, the main thing that's come out of this Facebook um, scandal for me has been, the uh, seeing how how much ahead of the game they are basically yeah because because ninety percent of organisations haven't got a clue well I tell you what ninety percent of organisations haven't got oh, I'm going to say sweeping generalisation haven't got a clue when it comes to a segmentation that's probably too much um, I, but, I don't know it, that's probably closer to accurate than not. Yeah, I mean, still too many organizations, I think, talk about large customers, small customers and medium sized yep. customers or, you know, um, pharmaceutical customers or whatever else. And they're not really thinking about the customer, the person at the end of it. Um, and, you know, as you rightly say about the sort of behavioral segmentation. But I think this is the way it's got it will go. Yeah. Uh, and if people are ahead of the game by understanding this stuff now, then I think it's going to be um then and and to, understanding some of the principles we're talking on here, I think it's gonna that's gonna be the key key going forward. I mean, on the one hand, it's it's shocking and new um, th this approach and the fact that companies are doing that. It's a radical. On the other hand, it, it boils down to: Do you actually understand what's driving this person's decision making? Yeah. If you do. Great, there's a good chance you'll be able to convince them. If you don't, you're lost. I mean, that's the question as it's always been. We, we just have new tools and ways of addressing it. Um, we're, we're faster and, and eventually we'll be better at doing it. Uh, but, but the core idea is not in fact radical, right? It's what any, 
uh, trainee salesperson will tell you. Um, you need to understand the person, what's driving their decisions. Yeah. I think where some of this big data stuff goes wrong is in not yet having the right weights to put on the information to figure out what actually drives people's decisions, right? So if, if on my Facebook profile, um, you know, whatever, 15 years ago, I clicked on the fact that I like the Simpsons at that point in time, um, you know, that might still be weighted in my overall decision calculus because it was a deliberate action that I took. I wanted to express that feeling to other people. When in the reality, it, it might, you know, it might be a show that I haven't seen in 15 years. And so it actually has nothing to do with, with my day to day interactions. And so it, figuring out what to do with all this data and, and how it relates. As I said, I, we will get there. It will be the case that, um, models will get sophisticated enough to use this information in a way that's useful. On the other hand, um, you're always going to need some theory to kind of work it out. Yeah, and I think that's the bit that's missing for me. Um, yeah, uh, the 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 interpretation of the data. I mean, one of the things you talk about big data. I wrote a blog a couple of years ago, uh, talking about the big hole in big data, and the big hole is the fact that there's no data being collected by organisation on how a customer feels. Uh, there's lots of information on you know where they've clicked and what they're doing. Yep. You know. Um, uh, when they got the delivery and what product they bought and how long they've been a customer and blah, 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 blah. But there's nothing on in the customer feeling this, um, um, having a, a sense of feeling on what the experience is, is like, which I think is a, I think is a, a big hole. Um, yeah. I mean, there's the old joke uh, about the economist who is searching for his uh, lights under, or for his uh, keys under the street lamp. Um, and somebody said, oh, did you lose your keys over here? And he said, no, no, I lost, I lost them over there, but this is where the light is. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think that a lot of companies fall into that, and it, it's the allure of data. Like, we've, we've got all this amazing data. Oh, does this data tell you why people bought your product? Well, no, not exactly, but look at all this data. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard thing to get out of. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, I, I personally believe, absolutely believe that with all those data points, you can start interpreting the, the behavior. But you've yeah. got to try to put it in two things. You've got to a, collect, make sure you've got all the right data, yep. uh, collect it all. And second thing is you've got to actually then interpret it. It's not you can have as much data as you want, but you've got to interpret it from from that that perspective. And that's where I think the segmentation and the micro-targeting and uh, artificial intelligence absolutely will come into to play over the next few years. Uh, and if you're not looking into that now, um, uh, dear listener, uh, then I would suggest that you do. It's time. Um, yeah. Uh, along with the other other area that's fascinating that we'll talk about at some point is uh, facial recognition uh, yeah. as well, which I think is going to tie into it all. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. Let's do what we normally do on these specials. Um, if we were sat in front of Zuckerberg today, what what advice would would we give him, or what advice would you give him? Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? 
Um, I can start, and hopefully I'll steal most of your talking points and you don't have anything good to say. I knew uh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you did give me the option. <laughs> uh, I mean, I your your point originally about it this not being illegal, which again, as far as we know, is the case. Um, that's that's the way companies think a lot of times in a lot of situations. Like, is there a a financial li- or is there a legal liability here? Is anybody going to be able to sue us for this? <clears throat> And that's, um, you know, the, the emotional reaction that people are having to this scandal, um, should be a wake up call for Facebook and organizations like that. Um, yes, I'm sure they were more than covered in their terms of use agreements, um, to protect themselves from getting sued, but it was clearly news to a lot of people just how much data Facebook was collecting and how they were using it. And from that perspective, you know, it, if your um, if your product, if your company uh, is built on the goodwill of people using it uh, and trusting you, then it, it's your responsibility to make sure that you're trusted by your customers, that they're not surprised by this, that you um, uh, are transparent around these things and, and let people know so that they will continue to want to use your your service. Um, at one point. MySpace was seen as this unimpeachable social network web 2.0 juggernaut and it would never, it disappeared overnight. Um, there's nothing stopping people from migrating en masse away from Facebook towards something else. Um, you know, Facebook no. is larger and so that can start to look like a, a bulwark and a, um, a barrier to entry, but there are a lot of social media platforms out there and Facebook should be very concerned about this. They're, they are not too big to fail. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It, did I leave you anything? Uh, you did. You left. Okay, me a then few I've bits. got some more. Hold on. Um, okay, go also, on. they should. Uh, yeah, no, I got nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> so, if I was sat in front of Zuckerberg today, I would be saying, um, from the Spider-Man movie, with great power comes great responsibility, mm. um, because they do wield a lot of power, and and I think that some of the key issues that I've been thinking about is and you know hearing in all the various different things who owns the data mm. you know, is it owned by facebook or is it owned by the customer and uh, i guess i wouldn't be doing my job if i was not to say that for me it should be owned by the customer um and you know the the other the other thing that i'm surprised at just i didn't mention i really do want to mention this um people are are, are a little naive when you know nothing is free in this world yeah uh, nothing is free um and therefore the, one of the best phrases i've heard recently is uh if it's free then you are the product yep uh, and and i thought that's a really neat phrase so if you're using something and it's free then you're the product so uh, that bit about who owns the data and i think the customer should own the data I think the other thing that I would be advising Zuckerberg on would be you need to make it easy for people to change the privacy settings. Um, I'm fairly technical, but I, I have to say I look at some of the privacy settings and don't understand what they actually mean. Yeah. Uh, and I think there needs to be a lot more work on making it easy for people to change the privacy settings. Yeah, no, they're, they're intentionally not in one, any one place on the website or the app. You need to yeah. go through different locations yeah. yeah they make it hard on purpose 
And there's that psychological principle, isn't there, Ryan? Do you remember that one about the um, opting in and opting out? Yeah. Um, yep. Um, do you just do you just want to? I'm putting you on the spot, but do you just want to explain that? Sure. Uh, sometimes it's called uh, the status quo bias. Um, uh, the idea is that if something seems like the the natural way uh, of doing it, then people uh, assume that that's what they should do, and so that they'll answer accordingly. Um, so, for example, if if your organ donor uh, survey when you're getting your license says, "Do you want to be an organ donor? Check here for yes," or "Do you want to not be an organ donor? Check here for no." Most people will not check the box. Most people will assume like, oh, well, if the, the default option is to donate organs, then yeah, sure, I'll do that too. Um, it, so go ahead. What You were making a point around Yeah, that. no, so the point being they can absolutely set the privacy settings up to their favor, but right. making it easy for people to make the choice to change, you know, um, I think is a, is a key thing. But, you know, if I was them, I'd be, I'd be erring on the side of, being in favor for them rather than in favor for the customer because even though you want to have a good customer experience you want to make money out of it uh, and i would also be reminding people of how to make those changes so something like once a year contacting people and going hey you you know you need to check on your privacy settings i think they've started to do some of that to be fair um but um i think all of those things you know that um, that they should own the customer should own the data Make should make it easy for people to check the privacy setting, change the privacy settings. Uh, I think are some of the key things. And um, reminding people how to make those changes, I think, would be the advice I would give to Zuckerberg at the moment. Yeah, that's that's actually one of the principles of core principles of behavioral economics. So uh, uh, Richard Thaler, the Nobel Prize winner, um, coined this term libertarian paternalism, um, which he likes because those ter- terms are completely in conflict with each other. Uh, the idea is that, you know, most of what we do nudges people in one direction or another. They kind of influence our choices in one direction or another. So that's paternalism. Can we nudge people towards the right choices or towards choices that, that kind of do good for them or do good for society? But then also maintaining their complete ability to make choices and decisions on their own. Um, so this gets it something close to your idea, Colin, that, you know, you can, you can set it up so that people will tend to, to, default towards what's good for your company kind of nudge them in that direction but still maintaining that kind of libertarianism and paternalism around you know you've got these options you can opt out it's easy to do here's how you do it um but but still kind of putting the thumb on your scale a little bit yeah no absolutely good okay well unless there's any last comments from you ryan um we will um uh, i guess wrap this up anything else you want to add uh nope Okay, wonderful. Good. Well, we we hope you continue to enjoy your time on Facebook. Just remember, everything you um, uh, do and say is being looked at. And uh, key message for me is just remember that you are the product if it's free. Um, so um, uh, yeah, well, that's we good. Look Maybe I should encourage Zuckerberg to send out a copy of 1984 to every man, woman, and child <laughs> in America. <laughs> well, it'd have to be around the whole world, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, but uh, there you go. So if you've got any suggestions on um, what you'd like us to cover um, or any feedback, good or bad, um, then please let us know. Just um, drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And um, we look forward to um, talking to you next week. Thanks very much. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. 
But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.